Welcome to episode one of third and 20, possibly daily football takes for you. In today's show, the Lions dominate, the Jets QB controversy continues, and the Caleb Williams race heats up. Let's get started. So this is episode one of your new favorite football podcast, Third and 20. We're going to be doing regular episodes of the show, hopefully multiple segments down the road, maybe even live shows down the road, working with kind of suboptimal equipment right now, I believe. So you might be watching this on YouTube, might be watching this on Spotify, Apple, got a microphone, got a phone to record into. Hopefully down the road, this is going to turn into more of a live show uh, where we can get listener feedback and questions and do multiple segments You know, with, with, with media played into it. Going to be a great podcast. Subscribe if you're not already excited about it. Uh, make sure you don't miss an episode. Today, we are talking about a few different things around the league, kind of a league wrap up. It is Tuesday, October 3 today, and uh, we're post- Monday Night Football posts the entire weekend of week four. So we're going to review some of that today. To do a quick little recap, lots of good games went down. You know, not super satisfied yet with the primetime matchups that there's been. Uh, Giants-Seahawks was last night just a slaughter fest on Daniel Jones, unfortunately for him. And that offensive line needs a lot of work. We're not going to talk about that today. We're going to stick to a few main points from around the league and hit those. Do other game recaps down the road. Let me know what you want to hear. To start today, we're going to talk about Thursday night, actually. We're going to go all the way back to last week or really the beginning of week four and talk about the Thursday night matchup, which was a good game. Uh, because I'm a Vikings fan and really dislike the Packers. So to watch them get completely manhandled by the Lions, although the Lions are a division rival as well, it's different. And uh, didn't mind it one bit whatsoever. So that was the Thursday night matchup. Lions destroy the Packers in that matchup. And to be honest, the... um, Packers offense looked completely lost the entire game. Jordan Love looked bad. That was kind of the first time besides last year in the Philadelphia game where I watched Jordan Love. He did come in for Rodgers in that Philadelphia game last year and actually looked pretty good and pretty crisp. I've seen highlights of him this year. He looked all right. You know, as a Vikings fan, I'm a little bit worried that, you know, of course, Jordan Love's going to be the next Hall of Fame quarterback that they bring into green bay and to see him struggle i'm not gonna lie felt all right it felt pretty good uh to see him struggle a little bit and i'm sure he's gonna be good though i mean he has good coaching and mentors around him and every quarterback has off games i mean shoot my quarterbacks kirk cousins of course he has off games and um you know jordan love had a had a bad one but i'm sure he will come back and be fine even other than him though the entire offense really struggled. Receiving core didn't do a whole lot. Play calling wasn't very good. Run game had a lot of trouble. 
offensive line looked bad penalties you know the defense can't hold him forever in the score if you're you know watching highlights it kind of seemed like the Packers came back but watching the entire game it really didn't feel that way it kind of felt more like the Lions let off the brakes a little bit you're let off the gas a little bit excuse me and then you know had to kind of put it on in the end again but they had complete control of that game one thirty-four twenty. so the Lions we'll st- stick to the Packers a little bit I guess I'll play you a clip from Matt LaFleur uh, from his press conference and um, essentially just saying how the Packers need to be better all around Give Detroit a lot of credit. They came in and uh, they worked us pretty good. Uh, I was I was pleased with our, our team's effort in the second half. I told them, I challenged them at halftime that, um, you know, to just continue to go out there and compete. I thought we did that. We had an opportunity. It was down 10 and we had a bad penalty uh, to make it a three-possession game. But, um, you know, every area, there's a lot of improvement out there for us. I think any time that you go out there and you can't, effectively run the football and conversely can't stop the run that's a recipe for losing football and that's what happened tonight and give Detroit credit we knew they were a tough opponent uh, but they 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 manhandled us uh, really in every phase so again don't be fooled by you know Packers media even coach LaFleur here saying they had a chance down 10 I guess it's any given Sunday and if you get within reach one possession or something, you might have a chance to kind of make a comeback victory. But in my eyes, this game was lopsided the entire game. Like you said, they couldn't stop the run. Recipe for disaster when you can't keep the ball time of possession wise and the other team can do whatever they want. Recipe for disaster. Lions look really bad. They have a lot or the Packers look really bad. Lions look really good. The Packers have a lot to work on moving forward. And I'm sure Coach LaFleur is scrambling right now trying to figure out this new offense post Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, they have a decently tough schedule too coming up, so I don't know if they will be able to bounce back. I'm kind of calling it as third place in the division to finish out. Of course, the Bears will be last. Let's move on to the Lions, though, a little bit. Lions, I mean, week one, they did beat the Chiefs, right, and kind of showed the whole world in that matchup like you know we're legitimate contenders here we're not going to go away we're not going to be the same old lions this week i think they also showed that it's kind of what i've been wanting from the vikings for the last two years as a vikings fan right last year was the 13 win season a lot of last minute victories last second victories and then this year kind of the opposite is true losing games um, finally won one in week four, but this time, you know, it's losing last second games, blowing it at the last minute, kind of more classic Vikings football. And what I just really want from the team to show their legitimate contenders is to manhandle somebody like Philly does, like KC does, like Dallas does, like San Francisco does. These are the teams that are the elite teams right now. And what they do is go into a team they should beat and they don't play down to that team. They go in and manhandle them, do whatever they want, control the ball, win the time of possession battle, and you know score 30-plus, hold the other team to 20 or less. That's what we really need here. And the Lions did that. 
they beat the Chiefs in primetime. Then they go on a few weeks later to beat the Packers in a manhandling fashion. I believe this win even more so than the Chiefs one showed that they are legitimate contenders and probably will win the North. They are going to be first place in the North, calling it right now. Um, I think they're easily the best team. I don't think any team in the NFC North even comes close. I was kind of thinking possibly the Packers and Vikings could compete and come close to them, but I think the Lions are going to win 11, 12 games this year, and I don't think they're going to uh, have any competition in that win column. I think they're going to run away with it. So that is kind of the Lions dominating Thursday night football. Uh, We'll move on to the Jets now. To talk about the Jets, this was the Sunday night matchup, right? And actually, I dissed the primetime games. This was an all right matchup on paper. Jets versus Chiefs with Aaron Rodgers. This would have been an amazing matchup to see Mahomes versus Rodgers on both sides of the ball. Two actually pretty good defenses go at it. Instead, we saw Zach Wilson play out of his mind and play against Kansas City actually quite well. And I mean... To be honest, I think the Jets should have won that game. Some bad officiating was involved there um, towards the end with a penalty on Sauce Gardner. Regardless, the Jets' QB options are limited, and they are kind of stuck with Zach Wilson going forward. This game, so actually, you know, just to kind of talk about the podcast itself, I created the outline for the podcast this week on Saturday, so before the Sunday matchups. I was going to talk about Caleb Williams, the Lions, and the Jets today. That was before the Sunday night game happened. And before the Sunday night game happened, the Jets' QB situation looked very, very bad. Here is Robert Sala on acquiring Trevor Simeon on waivers uh, as a free agent. Obviously, got a lot of games under his belt. Uh, He's a quick learner, quick study from my understanding. And, um, you know, so just giving him and the uh, ability to come out of the practice squad and help us out was uh, uh, the best decision for us. You know, it, uh, noise is noise. Um, shoot, it's uh, it's part of It's like a double-edged sword. It's part of why this game is so great is that there's so much attention, whether it's positive or negative. But, uh, you know, like I, I've said it before. Uh, we've got a great locker room. Locker room is uh, they're, they're locked in. Is there frustration? Of course there is. Anytime you lose two in a row, there's going to be frustration. It's... It's the NFL. So at that point in the week, they were kind of scrambling for a QB option, signing Trevor Simeon. Um, You know, he's talking about here the locker room being a little bit frustrated. There was a report that came out that the Jets locker room, especially the defense, was kind of frustrated with Robert Sala standing behind Zach Wilson so much, saying, you know, this is our guy moving forward. This guy gives us just the best chance to win. And, you know, he's going to be the quarterback until Rodgers can either return or the season is over and we're on to next year. Then Zach Wilson balls out, right? He goes and gets Trevor Simeon first, which I think is kind of like a statement of like, I'm trying to help this team win. Here's another guy that is competitive and, I guess could compete. He's, you know, he's no Aaron Rodgers, that's for sure. He's not necessarily a starting caliber quarterback, but uh, you know, bringing in a guy at least to compete and put some pressure on Zach Wilson, and maybe we can work out something in the meantime. Then Sunday Night Football, Zach Wilson balls out in a game that the Jets probably should have won and made maybe a couple mistakes that cost the game, but 
that's football. And he did very, very well overall. So what do the Jets do at this point, right? Kind of with a losing record now and won the Aaron Rodgers game kind of with big emotion against the divisional opponent Bills and then have lost every game since, really struggling with their schedule so far. You know, there's rumors of other quarterbacks being related to them. Kirk Cousins is one of them. And again, as a Vikings fan, feel the need to touch on it. So Kirk Cousins mentioned as a trade destination for the Jets, except Kirk has a no trade clause. So that's probably not going to happen unless he seriously desires to go to the Jets. And I really don't think he sees as a competitor this season gone enough to think about trade rumors already and trade destinations. Uh, Here's Justin Jefferson actually on trade rumors of Kirk Cousins and himself. But the Kirk Cousins to the Jets thing, you know, that as of right now, at least that never felt real. Justin Jefferson thing doesn't feel real either. The only reason, and you know, he basically uh, sort of sounded off on that too and didn't sound like he liked it. It is going to be interesting if they continue to lose, this talk will keep cropping up and you know what happens. The media starts talking about it, that other teams start calling. I don't think there's anything here, but if they ever were going to trade Justin Jefferson, I would imagine there'd be 31 teams who'd probably be lining up for that <laughs> opportunity. So this clip isn't necessarily all about Kirk Cousins, but what it does show is that the Vikings and Justin Jefferson especially are a little bit annoyed with the media. Um, and that report, that clip was actually um, Ian Rappaport talking about it, not Justin Jefferson himself. Um, in that clip, though, from Ian Rappaport, we're talking about that he's a little frustrated with all the trade talk and that fans are giving up on the season already, which as a competitor, I'm sure Kirk Cousins feels the same way. He doesn't want to go to the Jets yet, and the Jets probably aren't able to swing and pay for that with the Aaron Rodgers contract still under their belt. So it is kind of forcing their hand into quarterback situations like Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon, and to be honest, the guy that's on the roster four weeks into the season and knows the offense when you're already down a few losses in the year, he does give you the best chance to win. And that's Zach Zach Wilson. So I believe he will be the quarterback moving forward, barring any injuries. Um, This is kind of the ultimate test. This is the last test for Zach Wilson. Is this guy a guy that can be the future and will he finally get it and turn that corner? He obviously has some raw talent, but you know, is he going to make those mistakes that cost the games every week? Or is he going to lead you to some big victories? I think the jets just need to get in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be able to do it um, with their division being how strong it was. Even with Rogers coming in, that was kind of the issue, right? When I saw this trade, I was like, Oh good. Aaron Rodgers is out of the NFC North. But then, at the same time, it's like, well, Aaron Rodgers is in a division with Miami, who's red hot. Buffalo, who's red hot. Even until this week, the Patriots looked all right. They probably won't last. I don't really believe in them necessarily. But they are um, they are doing just fine. So the Jets would be lucky to be second place in division, and they'll probably not even be there. And with the AFC as strong as it is, wild card is a long shot for them. So um, it's not looking good. This is kind of maybe just going to turn into, you know, the Zach Wilson test here. I think that's how it's going to end out. But they are going to be looking at other QB options, I'm sure. Whoever comes up on the phone is going to be answered. So um, that's kind of where we are with that conversation. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, For now, we just kind of have to wait and see, I guess, though.
So next we're going to talk about Caleb Williams being such a hot commodity. This guy from USC quarterback just talked about as, you know, the next Trevor Lawrence type prospect in the sense that he is very physically gifted, has the talent and is the franchise altering player that Trevor Lawrence was coming out. That's really who it reminds me of where there's a lot of hype around him leading into this. And, you know, there's reports and stuff about him not wanting to go into the NFL, making more money on the NIL deals. I don't really think that is legitimate. I think that's kind of just bluffing. I'm going to assume he's the first pick of the draft next year. And we can talk about the race for him, meaning, you know, who's who's tanking the best at this point. It might not be on purpose. I'm just I'm just being facetious. What I mean is just that who are the bad teams that are in the running for him? The first one that comes to mind is the Chicago Bears, of course, because they'll have at this point, if the season ended right now, the first and second pick. So they could get a couple great players. Could get Caleb Williams, Drake May. They could get either of those guys. They could get a really top-tier player as well. And that could mean it's time to move on from Justin Fields just a couple years later after drafting him. So is that experience working out? I don't know. Justin Fields looked pretty awesome against the Broncos, but then again, it is the Broncos who are also kind of in this race for the bottom. So, you know, is Justin Fields the guy? I don't think they're going to assume he is if they don't win more than, you know, five games this year. I think that if they have that bad of a losing record and do get the first or second pick of the draft or both, they're probably going to move on from him because you just kind of need to change while you have players like DJ Moore, good defensive pieces, and then a new coach and general manager from a couple years ago that were hired that are going to be fighting for their jobs probably after next year if they don't put together a winning year. You need a guy that fans are going to get excited about. If Justin Fields isn't the guy, the Bears could be contenders for him um, and then move Justin Fields probably as part of that. The Panthers, also a winless team right now. Obviously not in the race for Justin Fields. Just wanted to mention them because they would be the second overall pick right now, uh, which would go to the Bears. But um, the Panthers are one to think about. Of course not. They just drafted Bryce Young. They are not going to um, draft Caleb Williams. The Vikings put in here because until Sunday they were a winless team. And Caleb Williams actually makes a lot of sense for the Vikings. Um, Of course, fans get excited about him. Justin Jefferson would probably appreciate, you know, a a decent quarterback coming in if Kirk Cousins leaves. I think it all kind of depends on how the year shakes out. I don't really see the Vikings losing, you know, 12 plus games. They'll probably just lose eight or nine and be stuck somewhere in the middle and would have to make a big move to trade up, uh, which would be a little bit tricky for them. So I really don't see this happening, to be honest. It would be a good fit, but I more so see the Vikings drafting a quarterback mid first round. Um, probably probably first round, you know, in that 10 to 20 pick range somewhere in there. There's a deep quarterback draft, so we don't really need him necessarily. And that's probably where a lot of these teams will fall. It's a very deep QB draft with like five to 10 really, really good quarterbacks in it that have a lot of potential. A lot of the teams will probably be all right with not giving up their entire franchise to move up for this guy when they could just draft a pretty good option later on and maybe land a franchise-changing player after all. Some other teams that are in this race at the bottom are the Broncos. They did beat the Bears and got their first win, but they're terrible. Defense is horrible. Surprised no one's fired yet from that team. 
And, you know, how long is Russell Wilson going to go? I don't know. Who who wouldn't want to learn behind Russell Wilson, though? I could see the Broncos as a good landing spot for Caleb Williams and maybe the most likely one in my eyes, actually, because those fans need something to be happy about. They've got a big-name coach. They've got a big-name quarterback to help Caleb Williams learn the system and actually some good weapons for him too. If I was Caleb Williams, I'd be actually pretty excited about going to Denver at this point, even though they have had a couple bad years. The Cardinals were at the top of this list. Like it was just assumed they're going to be the worst team in the league. Caleb Williams is going to the Cardinals. It's decided the Cardinals haven't looked bad. Honestly, they lost a last minute one to the giants um, that they probably could have won easily. They, beat the Cowboys and they hung in there all right against the 49ers for a team that could just be dominated, you know, by that 49ers team. Cardinals probably won't end up with the top pick, I don't think. And um they could draft a quarterback as well, but maybe it's later in the draft. Um again, maybe down a few picks in the first round or maybe even later, depending on what they need. I think they have a lot of needs and maybe they'll move up. I could see this happening possibly. Um, if they have anything to trade, but it would most likely cost a lot and it would be tricky. So I don't think the Cardinals are going to be where he ends up. And I'm just kind of predicting that now. Some teams that are technically good that I don't believe in um, are the commanders. I don't really believe in the commanders. They've won a couple games and they almost beat the Eagles, maybe even should have beat the Eagles last week, this last Sunday but um, wasn't like super impressed with them, I guess. And I could see the season kind of slipping, you know, games getting out of hand, the season kind of slips away and they end up with a top five pick. I could see that definitely happening. That would be a decent landing spot for him. They need a quarterback for sure. Um, That could be one. Buccaneers are top in the division right now. I just don't believe in them and I'm getting pretty nitpicky here, but I just think they're a bad team and you know, they've okay. Yeah. They've won like, you know, they've won three games. So I don't know, you know where I'm getting this from necessarily, but I just don't think they're going to win a whole lot more. They might end up a little bit with too many wins though, to make any realistic moves toward the top of the draft for Caleb Williams. They certainly won't be the top pick. So that would be a good landing spot for him, but it's going to be tricky to get that pick. And then we'll talk about the Giants, too, who are a very bad team. And the Giants would be a good fit market-wise for Caleb Williams, have some good weapons like Darren Waller, some young receivers. Um, Not a good offensive line, though, which is, as Daniel Jones would probably tell you, a nightmare. And Caleb Williams wouldn't want that. So hopefully if they do get the top pick, they're able to also draft some offensive linemen, make moves in that department and help protect their new franchise-changing player. Daniel Jones, I think, is good, actually. They just can't protect him. So if they stuck with Daniel Jones, I wouldn't hold it against them. They did go to the playoffs last year. If they moved on and drafted a guy, wouldn't blame them either. They're kind of in a tough spot, to be honest. So that's what we're looking at. Caleb Williams, best QB in the draft, definitely. But there's other quarterbacks, too. And a lot of these teams will probably be all right staying where they are and not moving up. And it's kind of just to see who's the first overall pick. I think it's probably going to be the Bears or the Broncos based on the first four weeks of the year. Both of those spots make a lot of sense. And I don't think they would move their pick if he is a, uh, if he's coming into the draft and they have that pick. So 
at this point in the show, um, we would normally answer some questions. So we'll do listener feedback and segments. I'll put the email address you can send questions to for now in um, the description of the podcast. And if you're on YouTube, you could comment your questions and I will read those, respond to any questions football related uh, in the next show. So we'll normally do a listener question segment with predictions, opinions, all that kind of stuff. Um, Even fantasy football we can talk about. So that'll be this section, obviously, today with episode one. We're going to skip that and just roll right through. So we're going to talk about today, Fantasy Corner. What players should you add this week in fantasy? I'm going to give you five must-add fantasy football players to kind of go through the show here and finish out. So if you're not interested in fantasy football, you could shut off the show now. That's all the football I'm going to talk. We'll talk about five must-add players if you do play if you do play fantasy football. Number one is wide receiver Tank Dell. This is a Houston Texans. Seems like could be the number one receiver. Nico Collins got a lot of looks on Sunday, but I think the big point out of the whole game for the Texans was that um, CJ Stroud is good and he's not a bad Ohio State quarterback like some were expecting. Uh, he's, he's good. He's going to throw the ball. He's going to get a lot of yards. He's going to give people looks. Tank Dell is a solid wide receiver too. Could even overtake as wide receiver one, I think, as the season goes on. You can get him cheap now. Um, easy waiver wire pickup if you have the bench spot. Next one is going to be Kyron Williams. He's not available anymore in your league probably after Sunday and waivers clear today. So if he is available, go get him. If you can trade for him, go get him. Kyron Williams is a potential league winner running back. I think the Rams love him. The Rams use him a ton. And that offense doesn't look bad, actually. So he's consistently scoring 20, 30 points in PPR leagues right now. And definitely a a running back one, maybe even like a, um, a dynasty or keeper type player that you could use moving forward. Number three is Jamison Williams suspended so technically right now you could add him and if you have a reserve spot on your roster you could put him into the reserve for one week and he's going to be coming back next week after the gambling rules and punishments have changed for the nfl jameson williams might not get like the number of catches and looks that the Lions will give their tight ends and Amon Ross St. Brown and even Josh Reynolds, but that Lions offense is obviously clicking. And, um, you know, I think go for it. It's kind of a bonus. You know, he's kind of like the touchdown machine guy, even without the looks. But as far as the looks is concerned, this is a bonus number three. Think about Josh Reynolds as well. That offense is high powered. Obviously, the Lions are doing some crazy things. Josh Reynolds really seemed to make some athletic and great-looking catches on Thursday night, and Jared Goff loves him. Former Ram, friends, I'm sure. Josh Reynolds could be a good pickup if he's available. He's less likely to be available than Jamison Williams, though, at this point. The next one I want to talk about is Quentin Johnson. This is a risky pick, but it's kind of like a just-see-if-he-pans-out pick. This is actually a guy that I drafted in my league thinking this thought in my head what if Mike Williams gets hurt because he gets hurt every single year. So I drafted Quentin Johnson and um, 
didn't end up keeping him, ended up dropping him for adding Puka Nakua, which was a good fantasy move. But I did drop Quentin Johnson. He's a decent add right now because he's kind of cheap, no production, anything to speak for. But with Mike Williams out for the year, he's obviously going to get a bigger role. He's definitely a Mike Williams type guy as far as size. So he's going to get a lot of goal line looks. Um, they love to pass the ball. The Chargers are like addicted to passing. So Justin Herbert will spread it around. There might be some frustrating weeks, though, where he's not getting any looks. So that's why he's risky. Um, they do have, you know, um, Josh Palmer. They have good receivers. They're not going to, you know, go away. Um, so risky one. Could be worth it, though. My last one is Cam Akers on Sunday for the Vikings. He did look a little bit better than Alexander Madison as far as yards per run and uh, kind of fight for each one. He'll be worked into that offense, and it's very possible um, that Madison's time is done. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you for watching the show. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for listening. If you're listening on Spotify and Apple, um, to summarize, um, Jets QB trouble continues. Lions look great. And, you know, we'll see who ends up the worst team in the league to give you guys to close out today. We'll give you my lock, my upset. Nope. We will do that next week. Sorry about that. I wrote down, actually, we can review these. It'd be kind of fun uh, to kind of close out the show with a hiccup here. Um, I see I wrote down on my notes, my lock upset and most interesting game of the week. And we can see how I did, which actually was pretty bad. So I locked and I said, I did these notes on Saturday, right? So these are a little bit after the fact, but, um, I locked Philly over the commanders Thought they'd easily manhandle them. They actually had some trouble with them. They did win. So I guess that's a win for me, but, um, certainly didn't feel like it was a good lock. I actually had an upset of the Patriots over the Cowboys uh, because the Cowboys had lost the Cardinals. The Patriots looked pretty good. That turned out to be about the worst upset pick I could have picked out of anybody. So that's no good. And then my third one was my most interesting game of the week was Cardinals Niners to really see how the Cardinals handled the Niners, which I didn't think they'd win, but I want to see if they hung in there and they did, which like I said earlier, kind of makes me think they're not going to be the number one overall pick and they actually have a decent team that I wouldn't really want to play. I think they're a scrappy little team. Anyways, that's it for today, guys. Episode one of third and 20. We're going to get good content going, regular podcasts, live shows, possibly other content. Be sure to follow third and 20, just like it sounds on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast as well. Talk to you guys next time.